All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. All right, you guys, introducing Bjorn Handeen. He is a Republican Party official from Idaho doing some great anti-war stuff. Welcome to the show. How you doing? Oh, thank you. It's a great honor. I've been a listener for a long, long, long time. Well, great. Uh, happy to hear that. And... um I forget now, but the name's familiar from previous times. I'm not sure if we had emailed before Facebook friends back in prehistory or whatever. Um, but uh, recently you come recommended to me from Dan McKnight from Bring Our Troops Home. Said, you got to talk to this guy. He's doing such great work with the Republican Party up there. So, uh, And then the first thing he sent me was a screenshot of y'all's Yemen resolution, which... Uh, well, go ahead and tell the story of that. You did a Yemen resolution in Idaho? Yeah, well, um, five years ago when that uh, joint resolution came around the first time, uh, we tried it at our local county, uh, uh, Kootenai County, third largest county in Idaho, uh, centered in Coeur d'Alene. And, uh, and it failed our, our, our county, uh, just barely, but it failed uh, to pass uh, in our county. Um, and now five years later, uh, our resolution calling for an end to the war in Yemen, it passed unanimously at the county level. And uh, therefore, we had the opportunity to bring it to uh, be discussed by the state party of Idaho. And uh, it passed the rules committee. Or I'm, I'm sorry, the resolutions committee. Um, but the meeting ended uh right before we were to vote on it as, as a whole body and have it be the official position of the state party. Uh, but I'm, I'm told in the summer uh, we're going to be able to maneuver to get that heard first. Mm -hmm. And now that wasn't a setup where like, oh, whoops, sorry, we ran out of time, but they just really ran out of time. Yeah. Uh, Not uh, accidentally but, on uh, purpose. I, I would have had different priorities if I, I were see. in charge. I see. But it wasn't. I, I understand what you mean. So but still, I mean, that's pretty good. And unanimous, you know, um, to start there on the county level is is great. And um, so you're going to have another crack at it in the summer, you say? We'll have another crack at it in the summer. Hopefully it'll be a moot point and it will uh, return to uh, a constitutional foreign policy before then as a nation. Yeah. Good luck with that. But um <laughs> Well, and, and now, you know, the resolution in um, the Congress has been at least severely punted. So the timing may be right there. I mean, Bernie Sanders, when he backed down, said, well, we're going to work with the administration on this. But, geez, if they don't come correct, you know, within some kind of period of time, then we're going to try this again. So in other words, eh, summer sounds maybe about right that, you know. And, and we'll see what happens with the war over there. I mean, there is essentially a pretty good ceasefire um, right now. The war is not all the way over and resolved, but um, 
and and it could you know, start back up again. And, I mean, there's a real danger that it could, uh, you know, get worse again. Uh, but um, there's a larger picture too, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, what's happening in, in Yemen is is just one echo of, of the larger picture. In fact, when I was presenting the resolution and talking about how James Madison felt about questions of war and peace, um, members of the party were uh, shouting out to me, well, you know, what about Ukraine? What about what about this place, Syria? Right. So the appetite is actually there. And even in the establishment, Republican types, because I can we can pin this on Biden and Obama. Um, you know, they they didn't oppose this at all. Yeah. Um, well, listen, I mean, this is a huge shift in the culture and we absolutely have to make the most of it that, you know, frankly, a lot of the people who, you know, serve in the military in this country, it's basically a family thing. Their father and their grandfather mm -hmm. did, and this is how they do it. And they're essentially conservative, patriotic folk, uh, constitution bound. And so you get so many of them killed for nothing their brothers and fathers back home now. I mean, surely no better thinking back on Iraq and Afghanistan now. Um, so for them to be essentially like uh, arms crossed, not impressed by all the new reasons why we need to be intervening here, there, or the other place is really the best thing going on right now. Um, That's the big so. difference. That's, you know, I, I started in politics, I guess with Jesse and Ventura, uh, but, uh, but then Ron Paul, I really joined, uh, you know, the, the actual Republican party and, you know, we were, um, viewed suspiciously, but everything's different now. Uh, everything, um, every one of your listeners can get involved, um, somehow, some way, just like I did. Uh, you could say I started as a listener and then got involved in politics. Oh, that's interesting. That's cool, man. Um, all right. So tell me more about what's going on up there. Well, um, you know, that, uh, that's the, the, the big push right now, right? Um, you know, when we, when we uh, failed five years ago to get this resolution passed, the interesting thing is that, um, you know, we uh, uh, got in contact with then-Representative Raul Labrador, and he actually did co-sponsor. So it was kind of a we lost the county, but we, you know, won the big prize of, of uh, getting our representative to sign on. Um, and this time it's the opposite. Um, they say, uh, you know, our, our, our representative Russ Fulcher is a, a good guy. And, um, you know, in, in, in many ways he is, but uh, the most important um, thing going on in, in the world is matters of war and peace. And he hasn't signed on. Um, and yeah, we've got to, we've got to figure out a way to get, uh, our guys, uh, up to that level of, of elected office. Yeah. You know, there's a guy that, um, you know, has emailed me and, and mailed me from time to time. He's got the silver bullet plan, which I agree with. If you're listening out there, guy, Houston guy, I agree with you that, wouldn't it be perfect if we could get every city council to pass a thing saying they hate this, every county board to say that our people don't want to do this anymore where, you know, and it makes sense that that's where people can get things done to start as you're saying is, you know, um, 
any kind of meeting at all. Bring it up, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, any kind of public forum. But the question is, is, you know how it is, is there are only few, but they're highly organized and highly funded and we're the masses, but we can never get our act together. Right. So, but the question is, if you could just get a critical mass of people, you know, concerned about the same issue at the same time, then eventually, you know, the market would take care of it, so to speak. Right. Enough people would be pushing this on the county level, on the city council level, in the Republican Party, in the Democratic Party and all over the place and in all 50 states and doing everything they can one way or the other in ways that we haven't thought of um, to try to figure out how to get it through. It's a matter of really prioritizing. And this is something that's been a real frustration, right, is that as I was just talking about this with Hunter Dorensis, that for well over a decade, the polls say that the soldiers don't believe in the war. This is going back to late Bush, early Obama times. People were over it. Hell, even in 2005, the soldiers said they wanted to come home from Iraq, you know, two years into the thing. Sure. Well, you know, um, gosh, they can beat us in any kind of strategy that money can buy, but um, they can't beat us in the strategies that money cannot buy. And that is uh, boots on the ground organization that's uh, showing up in person to meetings. Um, and, and also that's really studying the issues. I've noticed, uh, Jim Risch, um, when you get, uh, our, our Senator and he's the, uh, ranking, um, uh, Senator, uh, in the foreign relations committee, mm. right? He's got no foreign policy background at all. He was, a a, a Boise, uh, district attorney and, and then just kept rising up through the ranks. Do you think he really had time to sort through the issues and, and read, um, Gareth Porter and, and, and Chalmers Johnson. No, he doesn't really know anything about foreign policy, but yet there he is, one of the most powerful people in America when it comes to matters of war and peace. Um, we can run circles around him. I remember they quoted me in the paper uh, a couple of years back saying, no, if you don't read antiwar.com, you don't qualify as, as having any foreign policy expertise at all. And, <laughs> you know, so each one of your readers or your listeners, um, are way more qualified to have an opinion on foreign policy than most of these politicians who just get, get where they are through money. Yeah. Hey, that's what Chalmers Johnson himself said, that hmm. when I read antiwar.com every morning, that, believe me, that is better than the CIA morning brief. And I know because <laughs> nice. I used to write those. Nice. You know? What a guy. Yeah, he was something else. Um, and I gave so- his books away at my wedding. Oh, yeah. 2007. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, someone was just saying, what should I read to get like a good big picture on here? Ah, Sorrows of Empire, man. Nemesis. Yeah. You know, for sure. Um, good old Solomon's Johnson, man. Boy, you do go way back. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So the cultural shift and making the most of it, um, I guess. Tell me what you see among the people there. Like, are you pushing on an open door? People are already, you know, I ready to hear this. pushing on an open door. I can't tell you what a shift it was from five years, only five years ago. And even five years ago, things were changing, right? You know, Ron Pollers weren't uh, anathema, um, but still, you know, the, the, the rank and file Republicans were not ready for uh, a, a good foreign policy. Um, now they're, they get it right. Uh, um, Things are changing. The only people that don't really get it are the people at the top. 
Um, but we're, we're running up that hill. Yeah, that's really great. So now are you going to run for office yourself? Oh, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, a, a lot of times actual office holders need to um, be so self-assured that even when they're wrong, they don't act like it. Um, I just, you know, uh, I'm like a, a normal person where I get nervous under scrutiny and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too normal of a person to actually inspire confidence in people I don't know. Well, you know what? I bet that's not true, but I understand exactly how you feel though. Uh, you know, sure. um, uh, one time when you were, uh, interviewing, um, not Gareth Porter, uh, uh, the nuclear physicist, with the gene. Oh, Gordon Prather. Gordon Prather. Yeah. Uh, you know, you said, um, you know, that he's a nuclear physicist, but you can memorize the numbers, um, ju just as well and, and spit them back out. And, you know, that's, that's kind of me is, you know, I can, I can remember, uh, a lot of what I hear and that's really important to help spread the word. But yeah, I'm more of a, more of a word spreader, not a, not a politician. Yeah. Well, and you know what? That's okay too, man. Um, same oh, here. We all have our roles. <laughs> That's Absolutely. right. Yeah. And, and it's important that, you know, they get the idea that, you know, it's not just other people on their same level, but out there in the town, out there in the countryside, in their state, this is how the people feel about it. Absolutely. Know? Now, Dan McKnight, keep working on him because he should be U.S. Senator uh, uh, from Idaho. Uh, as soon as we can manage it. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Oh yes, I can. Well, and that's what, that's really the only thing I know about Jim Rich. I don't watch TV anymore, man. I just don't have the stomach for it. So I'm not as good on the Congress as I used to be. But, um, huh. this guy, Rich, the only thing really I know about him is that when he was the governor, Dan McKnight called him on a satellite phone from the top of a mountain in Afghanistan and said, listen, the regular army won't share. We don't have the equipment we need. We're out here in combat. And we don't have what we need to fight. And the way I remember it, I think the governor came through for him and got on the did. phone to Congress. And, and then, but that was the last time that he was good on anything. <laughs> as I think the right, way Dan right. described it. Now he's a U.S. senator and uh, he was just on the list to go to Davos and uh um or davos and um and then when people got upset about that he pulled his name off but you know he's still yeah he still represents that civilization more than uh more than our, our you know traditional traditional america non-interventionism yeah yeah, I think yeah dan he's, said he's pushing on go ahead oh i was just gonna say i think uh dan said when he went to the senate the first thing he did was vote to fund the afghan war and go along uh, with all that stuff, you know? Oh, man. It's such an easy thing to be heroic on, but it'll cost you in terms of money. But, I don't know. Seems like, well, pay off in votes, then. It's a balance. I mean, obviously, you need money to buy up TV time and all of that stuff, too, but maybe have some money, but also inspire people to actually like you for doing the right thing for them one time. You know? I don't know. That doesn't ever seem to play into their calculation. Seems like not. It always comes down to the money for the TV ads rather than having a reputation of actually giving a damn about anyone or doing anything right, you know? You know, as I've been reading a lot of new, old newspaper articles about politics uh, uh, on uh, newspapers.com. It's really helpful. 
And this was a huge debate. And when there were actual non-interventionists in Congress, when they were a power, right, the Bricker Amendment, you know, uh, John Bricker mm-hmm. and uh, Robert Taft and, and even before, um, the thing is those guys um, had uh, – they were able to, to, to go around the, the money system um, because the primaries were um, – you know, a convention system, not not just a, a, a direct primary. And it sounds bad. It sounds like, you know, oh, the people won't get a chance to vote. But, you know, sometimes, you know, mass media works, right? Mass uh, mass commercials work. And, and, and therefore, whoever has the most money for mass uh, marketing can get their guy elected. Um, you know, we had more John Brickers and Robert Tafts when uh, the primary system was it was held at a convention where you know the, the the people who were interested enough to show up were the ones that helped decide who the nominee was going to be. Yeah, hang on just one second. Hey y'all, the audiobook of my book Enough Already: Time to End the War on Terrorism is finally done. Yes, of course, read by me. It's available at Audible, Amazon, Apple Books, and soon on Google Play and whatever other options there are out there. It's my history of America's war on terrorism from 1979 through today. Give it a listen and see if you agree. It's time to just come home. Enough already. Time to end the war on terrorism. The audiobook. Hey guys, I've had a lot of great webmasters over the years, but the team at expanddesigns.com have by far been the most competent and reliable. Harley Abbott and his team have made great sites for the show and the Institute, and they keep them running well, suggesting and making improvements all along. Make a deal with expanddesigns.com for your new business or news site. They will take care of you. Use the promo code SCOTT and save $500. That's expanddesigns.com. Man, I wish I was in school so I could drop out and sign up for Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom instead. Tom has done such a great job on putting together a classical curriculum for everyone from junior high schoolers on up through the postgraduate level. And it's all very reasonably priced. Just make sure you click through from the link in the right margin at scotthorton.org. Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. Real history, real economics, real education. It's really ironic, right? Because it seems like it's the other way around. Oh, no, that's just made it where it's all smoky rooms, deals in the background and all of that. And if you have this primary grants access to all these people who otherwise wouldn't be able to participate, and it's more democratic that way when really... Nah, it just because the hand of the uh, the will of the few determines the will of the masses of barely interested people, right? Right. You can think of it like a union, right? A, a, a party is like a union that can counteract the organization can counteract the money of of the the, the top few that would otherwise just reach everybody through their monopoly of media control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, you know, th- that's not to Idaho... be like too much of a commie simp, but I understand the <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, well, you know, um, uh, Idaho, uh, incidentally, does have um, a really good tradition of non-interventionism, as I've been learning, and so it, it is uh, uh, natural that uh, some of these things get more play here in Idaho. Well, tell um, me about noticed... that. Well. Um, uh, I don't know if your listeners know too much about the the Bricker Amendment. That was like the high watermark of kind of maybe Pat Buchanan style 
uh, paleoconservatism in the Republican Party. In 1956, John, uh, a senator named John Bricker from Ohio um, had a uh, constitutional amendment um, uh, that would have made it uh, illegal for any president to uh, sign a treaty that abridges uh, the rights of a, the constitutional rights of any American, right? It would have been illegal. And sounds like a good idea. It, it lost by one vote in the Senate. And, uh, uh, you know, both of our senators in Idaho voted for it. Um, most of the, uh, you know, conservative Republicans voted for it. Um, and, uh, uh after it lost in 56, it, it got reintroduced again and again and again and again until um they and and it just kind of uh you know got fewer and fewer and fewer votes um and the last time it was introduced was 1999 by uh, Rep uh representative helen chenoweth of idaho um you know the last last two decades you know um in the 80s and the 90s yeah, it was the it was the Idaho people, uh, Idaho Senator Steve Sims and Helen Chenoweth that that would periodically reintroduce it. Um, kind of fascinating, really, but sad also that uh, it just kind of dwindled into nothingness. Yeah, well, you know, people want to learn more about that. There's a great article at antiwar.com by Joe Stromberg from April nineteenth, two thousand three, Truman Treaties and the Bricker Amendment: Historical Revision Outflanked. It's really good stuff. You know, I remember reading that actually. I think that's what turned me on to the Bricker Amendment. I'm telling you that that uh, I started uh, as just a, a, a you know not involved in politics. I started uh, consuming uh, antiwar.com, and now I'm one of seven uh, region uh, executives on the Idaho Republican Party. That's um, great. You too. Seems like you should be you... writing for us by now. <laughs> well, um, yeah, if you're all to. familiar with this Stromberg going back, you know, to the old days, the old cause is the title of his old column for us. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I'm not. Uh, I haven't been around long enough to have listened to your Philip Drew stuff, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll retroactively start uh, uh, considering that. Yeah, there you go. Stay up all night, man. Play that. Get one of them players. You can play it at a time and a half. And, you know, I'm sorry because um, the uh, I had originally saved all those in, like, way too high quality for the disk space back then. And huh. I had a guy who hosted my server space. He was like, this is ridiculous. And then he went and reduced them all to 8K. And so they're just the audio quality on a lot of them is just terrible, you know. Like maybe someday there will be a a bot that can upsample them somehow and and make the audio sound better. But they yeah, uh, we could upload them all into AI, and then uh, and then we can make AI Scott Horton uh, interview uh, uh, people in history. Yeah, somehow uh, like remaster them, you know what I mean, and make them sound, uh, uh, you know. High quality audio because a lot of the audio on on those older ones are really bad. Because you know, I recorded them on, you know, I had a little mini disc recorder plugged into my cell phone, you know, on on Chaos Radio, in the garage there. That's where a lot of those were done. So I wonder whatever happened. Man, anyway. yeah, yeah, you uh, you definitely um, uh, were um, 
great at improvisation, technological improvisation. Um, I remember you uh, uh, got to host uh, uh, the Phoenix Morning Show, and uh, uh, but your computer collapsed, so you uh, but you had all these great guests lined up, and and you you, you figured out a fix around it. It was awesome. That was, that was an awesome day. I remember that. Well, yeah, you've been listening a long time. So as long as we we're reminiscing. Yeah, what happened there was um, Jack Blood had a Comrex, you know, radio things. You can do high-quality radio basically over like a DSL line, but custom-made for radio transmission to get to host Charles Goyette's show. And they That's had, right, Charles Goyette. Yeah. yeah, they had done it. They had practiced it, and it worked. They connected, no problem. And then that morning, for some reason, it just his Comrex and theirs just would not talk to each other at all. So I hosted the show on a cordless phone, not even a <laughs> cell phone, which was bad enough, but like on a cordless phone. Talk about eight K. That's probably six or something, right? And somehow made that work. Yeah, that was a nightmare, man. Yep, Scott Horton's on. Is reaching too many people, cut him off. Those are the days. And yeah, it was all about Iran. And yeah, I had like six guests lined up. I was going to hit all these different aspects yeah, of it was the like Iran the thing team. in one hour or something. You had the all-star team all, all uh, <laughs> ready to go. That's so funny, man. I've forgotten about that. Yeah, this is nice talking to you, dude. So, oh, man. Yeah. You know, yeah, I remember your IRC channel. Uh, is that still up and running? Uh, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> Sneaker, is that still a thing? Uh, he would know. If huh. Sneakers out there, he knows. All right, let me ask you a question about business here. Yeah. Nice to meet you. But tell us about uh, what are you guys doing on Defend the Guard? You know, that's, um, gosh, that is uh, Dan McKnight's Boise thing. Um, so up in North Idaho, we haven't really connected um, as, as, as we should have, right. Um, I know Dan's got some state representatives that are really interested in it. And, um, and you know, man alive, Dan McKnight, he has reached some people that we would not have found through normal kind of political activism channels. And so he's getting these young vets that are, um, Hard workers, smart guys, uh, and and you know those guys are going to change things. So, um, yeah, it's like maybe I should have been uh, uh, making sure defend the guard was um, brought up again. You know that passed. Uh, every time Dan McKnight brings it up at the state party, um, it's it's really well received. Uh, but then it kind of dead ends, right? The the actual political leaders. Um, you know, they, they don't really have to listen to the people within the Republican Party, um, you know, as far as that kind of concept of uh, of the party as a union goes. There's a disconnect now between what the what, you know, what we're organizing for and what the leaders that are elected can uh, will actually accomplish. Yeah. You know, this is something that came up a lot during the Yemen thing. And, you know, when, of course, Joe Biden came to the Hill and cost Bernie Sanders, you know, his margin, 20, 30 votes, whatever. Sanders didn't even hold a vote. And everybody blamed Sanders, which it was his, you know, he could have at least held a vote and let everybody debate it and give their speeches and stuff instead of just folding before the night even got kicked off. That sucked. But it was really Joe Biden killed it. it. But anyway, the point is that 
people were saying, you know, that it's just damn foolery to even try that. Oh, you believe in democracy. You think that it's going to work, that they care about us, that they're going to do what we say and that whatever way, you know, the presumption is you'd have to be a child to really believe that the people can have their say on anything ever, or that it's even worth to try. When my whole thing is I want to abolish the state because I believe in that stuff the least, but I'm still saying that that's what we got and they're the ones doing the killing of those people. And if you know anything about this war, then you know that anything that we can do to try to stop it is worth a try. And that's, you know, as far as it goes. Um, But I think on the state level, you know, as we were talking about before with the primary uh, versus the caucus system type of a thing, on the state level, there is a point, especially in a state like Idaho, where, you know, it's not that populous of a place where, um, if there's enough people who really come together and really are consistent and stay at it, that they can rise up through the ranks. They can become that party leadership eventually, and they can have their way if there's enough of them to, and, and they're willing to keep their eye on the ball and, you know, I forgot what state it was. Uh, man, I'm sorry. I just saw the thing. Was it somewhere out west? I don't think so. Maybe, maybe it was Idaho. I don't know. But anyway, somebody had a state where the governor tried to pass, or the Congress and the, and the governor signed some gun control law. And then, like, uh, 30 out of 50 county sheriffs said, well, we're not going to enforce that. Screw you. On a new gun control law. I mean, that's huge. And that's because, at least on that one issue, those sheriffs got their heads screwed on straight and are willing to stand up and do the right thing. Um, So it goes to show, like, some of them still are human in some ways, despite being government employees. Like, they, and if, and if enough actual people, you know, will stay committed to at least supporting the least worst of them on, you know, with real demands, with real ransom demands. And like, we insist that you support these most important things. And if you do, you'll get our votes. But if you don't, you won't. And this is the benchmark. This is the thing that we care about the most is this anti-war stuff or whatever the issue is, guns, whatever it Absolutely. is. Absolutely. You know, so you, you it's know, not, I- it's not a sucker's play. It's not a matter of like, now we're all in fourth grade and we all are supposed to just believe that George Washington admitted that he chopped down the cherry tree and democracy is this beautiful, wonderful, automatic thing. And all you got to do is just just vote and everything will turn out your way someday and whatever kind of thing. Like nobody believes in that. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of fighting against what is wrong as best as we can. That's it, you know? You know, if you get involved, you start going to the breakfast meetings and the luncheons, and you will get access to these uh, elected officials. I, you know, I see Rich. I don't know, maybe once a year, um, at, at at some event somewhere, and I'm always able to give him a hard time about stuff. Uh, you know, there was a breakfast meeting. Uh, this would have been maybe five years ago, where um, he was talking about uh, how horrible some of the uh, videos were um relating to the uh uh pow treatment over in 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 iraq or somewhere and uh and how we can't let that out so i said well what what about droning weddings um 
you know, you said that, you know, you're not, uh, you're saying that's, you know, the use of drones is great. And he said, oh, I didn't say it was great. It's really bad for the dronees. But we made this, this, this horrible, dumb joke. But like, I, I forced him to at least um, acknowledge the contradictions in, in um, his logic. So we all can get involved and have access to these politicians. Yep. And, you know, as Bill Hicks said, you try. You do what you can. Yeah. So that's what we got to do. He was talking about convincing people to kill themselves. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just different strokes, different folks. All right. That's Texas. Yeah. All right. Listen, thanks for coming on my show. This has been great. Oh, man. I could talk about... Uh, 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 Scott Horton uh, interviews from the past all day long. Yeah, I should interview you about shows I've done. No, <laughs> uh, no this is cool, Bjorn. Uh, I appreciate all your efforts up there. And listen, if you have any trouble getting a hold of Dan McKnight, well, I can take care of that easy because, you know, the interview before you was Hunter Dorensis, who works for both me and for Dan. So, Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we'll get right this alive. worked right out. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome group of people. Thanks for what you do. Absolutely, man. Thanks for doing the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. The Scott Horton Show and Anti-War Radio can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. APSradio.com, antiwar.com, scotthorton.org, and libertarianinstitute.org.